This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner-nominated Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Hacha! Hi everybody, this is Chris Sims, the world's foremost Batmanologist, America's most beloved comics critic, one half of the writing team behind Monkey Brain's Subatomic Party Girls. You are listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Cast with Joe and Matt. Break it, break it down like chocolate chunks. Chocolate Chunks, welcome to episode 127 of THN, where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of August 7th. My name is Matt Baum. You can find me at Matt Baumstein at the Twitter. When I'm not trying to pinpoint the moment I started liking Bad Girls comics, <laughs> I'm writing the Comic Speculator blog for WorthPoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick. That's at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not refusing to read comics starring women with breasts larger than a C-cup because big boobs are a sin, <laughs> I'm the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and the artist slash co-creator of Good Plus, which you can find at GoodPlusComic.com. It's true, the man is terrified of jugs. In this week's episode, you will hear our reviews of Infinity, number one, and Trillion, number one. After that, we'll review ten of this week's comics faster than Justin Bieber can knock a dude out over a bow tie during the ludicrous speed round. That happened this week. Then, we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where the ghost of Jack Kirby is giving us the skinny on the secrets of next week's comics. And finally, I'll be playing the leader, and Joe Patrick will play the role of the wizard, when we answer one lucky listener's burning question during our monthly Ask a Nerd segment. But, before we announce our boycott of this year's Winter Olympics, let's let Vladdy Putin know that just because you get an erection during a massage from a dude doesn't mean you have to pass anti-gay laws to prove you're straight. And then, we can talk about this week's big news! Foot sloggers and soldiers of fortune, priests, poets, killers, and cads, they fight for a future galarchy, for cash, for a cause, for the thrill of adventure. Cold from the forgotten and unwanted of three galaxies, the Legion is sent into the galaxy's most desperate internal and external struggles. Legionnaires live rough, and they die hard, tough as tungsten, and loyal to the dirty end. <laughs> Alien Legion is back! I'm so happy. Titan <laughs> Comics <laughs> Titan Comics is reviving the series in 2014 with longtime Alien Legion creators Carl Potts and Larry Stroman. This was originally announced at San Diego Comic-Con, but the story fell through the cracks until BleedingCool.com brought it to the forefront. Matt Baum, did you have a birthday when I wasn't looking? I, I'm i so hesitant to get excited about this because they were going to do this two years ago. There was all this talk. Chuck Dixon was coming back to write it. And it was going to be a Dark Horse, as I recall. Hmm. And Dark Horse even reissued like those weird... There's the Alien Legion omnibus yeah, on shelves weird, now. But they're the really small omnibus. And it's super hard to read anything because the type is so little in them. <laughs> I was pissed. Well, you are a middle-aged man. I am a middle-aged man. I can't see anything. But I'm excited. I'm super excited. And Titan is putting out good stuff. Yeah. We've reviewed a few Titan books here in the past three or four months. And I think we've liked most of them, with the exception of the one about the oh, I did, animal rights. I did. Oh, that was not. The that Liberator. Was, that was Black Mask. Oh, you're right. That was Black. Titan. Did the, did Titan put out, uh, I think they put out Tomorrowland. The, yeah, Tomorrowland. The, uh, it was terrible. The rave comic by Paul Jenkins. Like, what Paul Jenkins thinks happens at a rave. Um. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm super excited for this. Uh, I just got to wonder, does Carl Potts still have it? It's been a little while since we've seen him. Hey, man. Like, Alien Legion's Alien Legion, right? When I right? say a little while, I don't think he's written anything in the since last Since the 1993 <laughs> Alien yeah. Legion miniseries? But if it's good, I'll take it. I'm excited. Hooray. In movie news, Green Lantern and Sherlock Holmes actor Mark Strong, he was the bad guy, 
is rumored to be in the running for the role of Lex Luthor in the upcoming Man of Steel sequel. When asked about the rumors by the UK site, Digital Spy Strong replied, quote, all I could say is, watch this space. But those badasses at Latino Review, <laughs> who we know are almost never wrong, seem to think Strong has some competition for the role in the form of Breaking Bad star Brian Cranston. So, Joe Patrick, which terrifying bald guy would you rather see as a new Lex Luthor? I've got to go Strong. You know, I'm kind of torn because if they if they want to go towards a more like Gene Hackman-y type, like... I'd, I'd go Cranston, and yeah. I'd be okay with it. I'd be okay with either. My gut reaction is Mark Strong, because Mark Strong was born to play bad guys. It's true. I mean, if, they, if they're going slightly dark, as we know Man of Steel did, then Mark Strong is the only choice. But I kind of would like to see, like, a Lex Luthor, in, not, at, not the same as Gene Hackman, but in that kind of lighthearted but still totally evil yeah. willing to nuke new jersey kind of way well and cranston's totally got it too i mean he could definitely we've well, if you watch breaking bad he he's been a likable guy that has turned into a monster of a man sure i mean the guy can do anything i suppose and i wouldn't hate it uh, honestly i like both of these but if you yeah for like scene chewing like right angry bald terrifying scary it just depends what they want it, like mark strong is the choice for that yeah. but I think either one of those would both would be excellent oh, as absolutely. Lex Luthor in that absolutely. role, just depending on the time. And now it's time for another exciting episode of What Did DC Do Wrong This Week? <laughs> in a move that's catching retailers off guard all over the country, DC has announced that, due to the realities of the printing process, there will not be enough of the Villains Month 3D lenticular covers to meet demand. God damn it! According to the publisher... The print run for the special covers had to be set well in advance of final order cutoff, which is the date that retailers finalize their initial orders. Unfortunately for DC and the retailers, DC's estimate fell short. <laughs> retailers can expect their orders of all of the Villains Month titles to be allocated by as much as 50% in some cases, depending on their normal ordering habits, meaning that if retailer X normally orders 50 copies of Batman, but doubled that order for Villains Month. How much would that, how many would that be? A hundred. Oh, okay, thanks. Yeah. They'll probably <laughs> receive their normal amount of copies, you know, based on their track record. Sure. Most stores will be notified by the end of today as we record this, and in fact, right before I came over, uh, Legend got their numbers. You got your email? Yes, we did. So what are you guys getting uh, We are getting Really? <laughs> like, majorly Really? Yeah, so for most of them, or for a lot of them, it's not much. It's 5 to 10%, maybe 15%, which is enough to cover pull files or pull lists, whatever your nomenclature is. But in the case of some books like Justice League, which is a huge seller and a book we would order high on, we got hammered. Yeah. We are getting only 40% Jesus. of what we ordered. That's ridiculous. Which is, frankly unacceptable yeah that's ridiculous so as i just pointed out some retailers may not receive enough copies even to fulfill normal subscription orders dc is rushing to print on standard editions of the covers at a cover price of 2.99 instead of 3.99 that retailers can order to meet the extra demand but if the cover gimmick wasn't what caused at least some of the extra demand how can this be a satisfying solution for fans or retailers Spoiler alert, it's not. Yeah, I mean, okay, I have two questions. 
One, are the big guys, the mile highs, the lone stars, the yeah, you know, the midtown sure, comics, sure. are they getting screwed? <laughs> or are only the small guys getting screwed? I'd question, love to know that yeah. the answer to that. Question two. DC is a comic book company, right? Right. So when they say, due to the realities of the printing process, who should understand the realities of the printing process better than a company that deals with them on a daily basis? <laughs> sure. I mean, I do sympathize to an extent. DC wanted to do a special thing. I get that. Just hyped up Villains Month event, special covers that have really never been done before. Right. And it's across the board, all of the covers. They need way extra time to print. And I understand how they would not want to take a gamble that retailers will support it. Here's my point. The problem is they made the wrong decision and now they have angry retailers to deal with instead of a warehouse full of unsold copies. I don't think you can safely not take that gamble. I agree. And That's the thing. If you're going to do this, you have to put all your chips on the table. Yeah. We can't say, we're going to do it. It's going to be awesome, but we're just going to do it a little bit. Here, here is the <laughs> no. answer. I spoke to Jason, who is one of the owners of Legend, before I came over here, and he had a great idea. Um, they do a thing for trade paperbacks and hardcovers quite often. Uh, they advance solicit, which means right. normally we order two months in advance, but sometimes we order six months in advance. Mm hmm and what that does, it lets them know how many copies of Starman Omnibus Volume 6 they need to print. Right. And they go, okay, we got X amount of orders, we print Y, which is a little more than that. Yes. And that's what they should have done. Instead, they f***ed us. Yeah. They f***ed us royal. No, this is just dumb. And it, all, and it comes from a market grab. It comes from them wanting... Because, great, they want to do some special covers. But they want the comics to be so spe so special. Why is and no offense to him? Why is Tom DeFalco writing a bunch of them? Yeah, yeah. There's no exactly big names right. on them, and they have nothing to do with the story. They overreached. They overreached. They're trying to do a market share grab. They're trying to do a money share grab, and yes. the way to do it is to add an extra dollar to the price of everything by doing kick ass lenticular covers and stuff yeah. that not only do people like me not care about. I'm not saying nobody cares about them. There's people that are excited about this, sure, but they screwed those people. Yeah, they totally screwed like, those people. I think that. It w could have been fun. I bet the covers would have been cool. And I'll even bet they would have sold Probably. really well. Probably. But they overreached. Yeah. And then they put a huge burden on the retailers to guess how many their customers would want to absorb rather than just saying it's the Justice League for that ma right. month. What they did is say it's four Justice Leagues. And I'm sorry. And I'm not trying to talk down to anyone if this were Aspen Comics. If this were even Image Comics, sure. I might give them a break and say, well, they don't do a lot of this, and they got hit with huge orders. This is DC f***ing comics, man. Yeah. I, you're, the, you're the two in the big two right now. Yeah. You know? I mean, come on. It's frustrating, and it really makes... I'm at the point now where I kind of hope it's a failure, because then at least my customers won't be mad. I would argue it already is. But I'm saying like... Oh, you mean like a sales failure. They like won't it, want it, it and so it's not anyway. a problem that I don't have it. Right. So... Well, that's... On, honestly, that's best case scenario yeah. for the retailer. Good job, DC. Yeah. You have made me want customers to not want your <laughs> yeah. product. Hopefully, retailers won't get screwed here when nobody buys it. Bob, <laughs> Bob, Wayne, Bob Wayne's a long-term listener, so I'm sure he'll take all of this to heart. I'm sure. How could you do this?
That is it for the big news this week. If you want to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, hit us up on our Facebook page where we have got a lenticular graphic special for this episode only of Joe and I clothed. And when you turn your computer a little to the left, it's Joe and I naked. Unfortunately, we're out of them. Unfortunately, due to the realities of lenticular gift making. Only Aaron Myers is going to get his. Sorry, guys. Oh. Every Friday, my favorite nudist, Joe Patrick, posts the question of the week on our Facebook and Twitter, and then we read your responses and play your voice messages on the THN Answer of the Week podcast, which hits every Wednesday. Joe, what do we ask these nerds this week? This week's question is all about gimmick covers. Of course it is. Thinking of specific issues in mind, what are the best and worst gimmick covers of all time? That means we want you to say, I really love the cover to Ghost Rider whatever where it glowed in the dark. Not, I really love glow in the dark covers. I want you right. to like pinpoint a cover from your childhood or whatever. Tell us why it's your favorite. Tell us why it sucks. We're going to have a fun discussion about how the comic industry is retarded. I love it. And you have until 4 o'clock Central Standard Time to get your answer of the week in. Remember, if you're going to tweet it at us, to use the hashtag T-H-N-A-O-W. And if you call us at 402-819-4894 to leave us a message, be sure to tell us what it is regarding. And who you are. And who you are. Zach Hollowell. Yeah, Zach, you're lucky we know your damn voice. Do you know who I am? It's review time on THN, where Joe and I surprise drug test two of this week's comics and then inform them whether they're clean or suspended for the rest of the season. Joe, what comics urine were you testing this week? <laughs> My very special advance review this week is of Infinity Number 1 from Marvel Comics, written by Jonathan Hickman, with art by Jim Chung, inks by Mark Morales with John Livesay, David Mikus, and Jim Chung, and colors by Justin Ponzer. Here's your solicit. The oversized kickoff to the year's most anticipated blockbuster summer event. Changing the way you view the Marvel Universe. This is full of typos. <laughs> Bullet! The outbreak of war on two fronts, Earth and space, with our heroes torn between them. Bullet! The world-shattering return of Thanos. Bullet! Includes material from Free Comic Book Day Infinity! <laughs> There's a lot going on in that solicit. It's already returned. This kind is returned. Mean, come on. The good folks at Marvel were kind enough to send Legend an advanced copy of Infinity Number 1. And so, as we are wont to do, we're bringing you this special advanced review. Don't worry. It is spoiler free. I did not go into any details about plot or uh, specifics of any kind. You can listen with confidence. We are not going to tell you about the death of Thor, Captain America, and the Hulk. Certainly, Certainly not. not. Definitely not. <laughs> Infinity is the culmination of everything Jonathan Hickman has been building to in Avengers and New Avengers, and maybe even a little bit in Fantastic Four, and it definitely shows. The scope of this book feels huge. The problem, though, I've always had with Hickman is that it's not always clear how all of these big ideas come together. I'm willing to admit that it may be a failing on my part, but sometimes reading his more epic work can get a little bogged down and confusing. You're a dummy. We both know that. Yeah. For example, in this issue, while the Illuminati and the incursion plot from New Avengers is touched on, 
it it isn't immediately apparent how it connects with the rest of the story. This issue focuses primarily on the Builders storyline from the main Avengers title. As the threat from this ancient race becomes too big to ignore, Captain America takes an expanded roster of Avengers off-world to face it head-on. Unfortunately, this leaves the Earth vulnerable to an attack by the mad Titan Thanos. Calm down. All of that information has been discussed at length yeah. by Marvel itself. Yes. We knew this was happening before we even got it. Now, I know I've said that I haven't been too excited for this crossover, but now that I've barreled through all of the prelude issues and the first issue of the main event, I'm changing my tune. Infinity number one feels truly epic in scope, something that has the potential to bring a real shakeup to the Marvel Universe, more so than an event book has in a long time. Of course, this is in large part due to the amazing art by Jim Chung and company. Chung has come so far as an artist since I first saw him drawing Force Works in the mid-90s. Oh my god, that's where he started. He did. Uh, the pacing of the art and how each panel is laid out are masterful. Chung's sense of design is also really wonderful. His alien creatures are uniquely interesting and frightening. And when he draws characters that have been designed by other artists, they look better. Yeah. I really do understand the concept of event fatigue. That phrase does get tossed around quite a bit. Sometimes you just want Hal Jordan to take a break from saving the entire universe as we know it and get back to patrolling his sector for a while. Or make a sandwich, man. Trust I mean, me. Just take five. <laughs> I'm with you. But Infinity Number 1 reads like more than just an event designed to bilk readers out of extra cash. Judging by the first issue, it looks like Infinity is going to be a story that we will talk about for a long time. I really liked it. I'm giving it a buy it. I'm right there with you. And some of the things that you and I both discussed that we did not love about Jonathan Hickman's Avengers are really starting to work. Notably, when we see Cap's team like facing a, a threat yeah. on Earth and we see... They are in action separately from right. other characters. Iron doing Man other and things. his team are sent to take care of a different type of threat. And in the meantime, we see Thanos and his groups working as well. It's, it, there's wheels within wheels here, but everything that we didn't understand about Hickman's Avengers run, the weird crap that's been going on, I, I mean, it all comes together here. It, it's, it's, it's not all answered, but you see him working. Exactly. You totally see him working now. And I do want to address, uh, it reprints the free comic book day uh, prelude which is like 12 pages or something. Right. And I know that, you know, the instinct is go, boah, they charge us an extra dollar and it's all, it's re But this book is so thick. Yeah. It's so thick. It's a big, hefty book. It took me a while to read it. Even if you take those pages out, I think this book would be, would be worth the cover price. I think so too. And there's an Inhumans moment in here that any fan of the oh. Inhumans will love. It like, so cool. Reading this, <laughs> reading this, only at issue one, I cannot wait yeah. for this uh, inhumanity thing that's coming later. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. It's going to be so cool. Infinity number one. Yeah. Huge buy it from me as well. Awesome. Matt, what did you review this week? I read Trillium number one, written and drawn by Jeff Lemire. Here's your solicit. It's a time-traveling romance and sci-fi madness as only Jeff Lemire can do it. I'm not going to read the whole solicitation because I did it last week. It's and long. It's long. Those of you who actually listen to the show on a weekly basis may remember me gushing over Jeff Lemire's Sweet Tooth series from Vertigo and even admitting to crying a little bit in the end. 
So I went into this new miniseries excited but hesitant. Sweet Tooth was amazing, but we've never seen Lemire do sci-fi. As it would turn out, he's as good as any Ellis or Hickman working today. The first thing I noticed here was how much more focused Lemire's art has become. When I first started reading Sweet Tooth, I hated Lemire's art, and I couldn't understand why Vertigo gave him the title. The writing was solid, but there's plenty of artists out there that could have done the job. As I got deeper into the series, I found myself falling in love with his heart. And here with Trillium, I think I love it even more. Normally, sci-fi comics are drawn by meticulous, detailed lunatics like Jeff Darrow or Jeff Darrow wannabe Juan Jose Rip. But Trillium is Lemire's loose and almost abstract style lent perfectly to a time travel story. His colors here, which were assisted by Jose Villaruba, looked like they were hand watercolored and they were just beautiful. Lemire's story succeeds on two levels in the sense that it completely pulls the reader into two totally different mysteries with two short stories, but the stories not only connect and intersect, they both end at the same place, and you have to read the comic by flipping it over once you get to the middle. I love how Lemire can not only come up with a great sci-fi premise, but go beyond the panels to make the story a physical experience just in having to flip the book over. I've never seen anything like it, and it was so well handled here. This is the most I've been excited for a Vertigo comic since I started reading DMZ. I'm giving this a huge buy it. Me too. I've totally been here the whole time and heard everything you said. <laughs> Joe got up to let a barking pug outside. <laughs> uh, yeah, Trillium number one is a can't miss yes. book. When we talk about Vertigo kind of losing their luster in recent years, this is exactly what we want. This is the response yes. we want from Vertigo. I want to see this push. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, like Matt said last week when we talked about they should have put it out for a dollar. Oh. We would have ordered 500. Uh, you know, we would have ordered Collider. Yeah. Collider. Yeah. But with Collider and Trillium, Vertigo is two for two. Yeah. And I'm very much looking forward to the things that come yeah. in the future. And I know we've seen flip books before and stuff. That's yeah. not what this is. It's not that at all. Right. And you have to see it to see, to actually experience it. it it's a very simple idea. I don't think anyone has ever done it before. Yeah. And it just kicked ass. It worked so well. Uh, helpful hint. You may notice as you pick a side and start to read that the uh, soldier's side is labeled chapter 1.2. It actually does not matter what no. side you read first. Yeah, you can read either one. I thought, it, I thought that it did, but once I was done, you're good to go, what, whatever you choose. I loved this book. Huge buy it for me. Yeah. I'm so glad that Vertigo is coming back with really strong offerings. Can't wait for more from Jeff Lemire. And... No ads. Other than a Vertigo ad, no ads. Yeah, there you go. So cool. But I do totally agree that the, prom- that the, the number one for a dollar promotion is something they should have kept. Yes, definitely. But that's not to say that this comic's not worth $3, because it totally is. So that is a double buy it for Infinity number one and a double buy it for Trillium number one. Of course, we want to know what you mad titans and onion-headed aliens thought of these comics. So be sure to check the banned substances list and then hit us up with your opinions at the comments section for this episode of TwoHeadedNerd.com.
Once again, Matt Bomb wasted his entire week talking to aquarium nerds on the internet and playing Clash of the Clans. Now we find ourselves behind schedule with one choice. Steal Doc Brown's DeLorean and Tokyo Drift ourselves back in time or let all our loyal listeners down. So join me while I pull Matt's fat out of the fryer one more time as I hit the gas and push this sucker to 88 miles per hour while we review 10 comics during this week's ludicrous speed round. I never say drift. I always say Tokyo Drift. Totally. It's, that's, <laughs> it's Tokyo Drifting. Ludicrous speed. Go! Lady Rawhide, number one from Dynamite. Joe Lisner gives us a very sexy cover that once again proves he doesn't know what real boobs look like due to his bizarre nipple placement. But beyond that, I found myself shocked they to look enjoy like bananas, this right? Like bananas. No, these didn't. They were just really high. <laughs> I was totally shocked. Eric Troutman, who is mysteriously expelled from DC Comics, does a really nice job writing a sexy female Zorro story. This was fun. She even admits... That she was inspired by Zorro. She like has a little flashback where she pictures him. In in the old Topps comics, uh, they were in the same. Yeah, she was in the Zorro verse. This woman is younger than Zorro, but I don't know yeah. how it works. Anyway, buy it. Sidekick number one from Image. This is the latest offering from J. Michael Straczynski's Joe's Comics, featuring a sidekick that has fallen from grace in the wake of his mentor's assassination. It was totally great. This is a fun deconstruction of superhero tropes with some great twists. And great art by Tom Mandrake. Buy it. Is it feel bad comic booking? Is it like Breaking Bad type stuff? It's, yeah, I, I mean, it. I felt kind of bad. Cool. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Lords of Mars, number one from Dynamite. Because you demanded it, Tarzan and John Carter get a crossover. Arvid Nelson writes this one and does a nice job setting up the plot. I have to say, artist Roberto Castro was a star of this comic with his Romita family inspired art. He kind of looked like all of them. This was fun and well executed. I can't believe it. I'm giving Dynamite two buy-its this week. It ain't over yet, buddy. Robocop, number one from Boom! You know, despite it being my only request for my bachelor party, I've still never seen Robocop. People don't watch movies for bachelor parties. Whatever. It's my party, and I'll watch <laughs> Robocop if I want to. This takes place well after the first movie, with Robocop hunted as a criminal after OCP floods the streets with ruthless mercenaries disguised as police officers. There are some fun ideas, but it's tanked by really, really inconsistent art and an abrupt ending that falls kind of flat. It is exactly what the solicit said, a screenplay adapted for comics, and it feels like it. It feels like they just said, you know what, here's a good place to stop. Uh. And so it ends in mid-scene. I can't see myself reading more of this. Robocop, wait, you better... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, leave it. <laughs> Avengers number 17 from Marvel. This was the end of the prelude to infinity, and lo and behold, the bizarre story writer Jonathan Hickman has been telling is not only starting to make sense, it's starting to get really cool. Three new Avengers join the team here, and I didn't see any of them coming. Marvel is winning the big two battle with this comic alone. Fight! Uh, <laughs> be aware if you are confused... About the cover, it has absolutely nothing to do with the inside. No. I looked at it and I was like, when I was done, I was like, this this doesn't happen. Well, no, no, it, it doesn't. doesn't at all. Pathfinder Goblins, number one from Dynamite. I dropped the main Pathfinder series after a couple of issues due to lack of time more than anything else. It was really good. So, yeah, I was happy for an excuse to jump back into this world, and I'm really glad that I did. This is actually two very different short stories, both hilarious and with great art giving a different look at goblins than you might expect from an RPG tie-in. Super fun. Buy it. Hmm. 
Burn the Orphanage, Born to Lose, number one from Image. I get it. The creators of this title wanted to tell a story right out of a 1980s side-scrolling fighting game, and for the most part, they do. The art even resembles the cover art for games like Final Fight and Bad Dudes. But the quickest way to take me out of that theme is to make the story unexpectedly gritty with nudity and cussing. You're such a prude. Well, I'm just saying, if that's what they're going for, they're doing it wrong. Part of the charm of these old games is they dealt in absolutes like good and evil, but they kept it clean. It was ridiculous. This didn't work for me at all. I don't understand this experiment. I'm giving it a leave it. Yeah, and the thing that kept your attention in those games was not the story, it was the gameplay. Right. Without any gameplay, the story sucks. It's just dumb, and if you're not going to do it right, then it becomes even more stupid. I get that it's a love letter, it just falls flat. Yeah. Trinity of Sin, The Phantom Stranger, number 11 from DC. Unlike Constantine... I want to clap. The comic book formerly known as The Phantom Stranger, Trinity of Sin, The (laughs) Phantom Stranger, number 11 from DC. That title's stupid. It's really dumb. Unlike Constantine from a couple weeks ago, this is a Trinity War tie-in that actually seems like it will have an impact on the main plot. Unfortunately, the act of reading this issue was a bit of a chore. There is so much metaphysical navel-gazing and characters feeling all their feelings (laughs) that the book forgets it's a tie-in story about superhero teams punching the crap out of each other. We gotta call this this episode Metaphysical Naval Case. Totally. (laughs) Skim it. Godzilla, Rulers of the Earth, number two from IDW. This one spins right out of the Dwayne Swierzynski Godzilla that ended better than I thought it would. Two issues into this series, however, and I just really don't care. Not to mention that Godzilla is fighting a monster named Zilla who looks exactly like the Matthew Broderick Godzilla. (laughs) What? (laughs) Artist Matt Frank handles the monsters well, but I don't care for the way he draws people. And let's not forget that James Stokoe just gave us the best damn Godzilla comic ever written. And I don't want to read any more unless they're that high quality. I was going to give this a skim it. I'm saying leave it. Damn. The Legend of Luther Strode, number six from Image. I'm kind of sad to say that I didn't love this mini as much as I did the first, but it has a lot of insane action, it's got great art, and it sets up the third volume with a fun cliffhanger. I still have to give it a skim it, because it just didn't keep me hooked like Strange Talent did, and as fun as the word can be to say in here, Justin Jordan really pushed the F-bomb threshold. I gotta side with Matt Bomb on this one. It's There's more than one word in the English language. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Mm. Skim it you anyway <laughs> that is your ludicrous speed round and scream is the sound of Godzilla telling Zilla what's up before he throws him around Honolulu as seen in this week's Godzilla rulers of the earth number two earth much like Bruce Willis in the sixth sense Jack Kirby has been hanging around the ziggurat, swearing he's still alive and plotting his revenge on Stan the Man Lee. Well, although it's not going to be much fun, Joe, myself, Deadman, and Casper the Friendly Ghost are going to sit Jack down for an intervention in the Sanctum Sanctorum. After some tears and some racial epithets, I'm sure, we'll send Jack and Deadman out to possess some of our favorite comic creators, and hopefully they'll report back to us with some secrets of next week's comics. Joe, we're not going to judge Jack. We're just going to tell him exactly how we feel and who he actually is. What are you excited for next week? No judgment. No judgment. I am sticking with my guns and picking Infinity Number 1 for my pick of the week. That's a good pick. I know I've already read it, but 
in my mind, it's the can't miss comic of next week. Well, you if should you be are a Marvel fan of any sort, superhero fan, pick it up. You won't regret it. Right on. Matt, what about you? My pick for next week is Thunder Agents, number one from IDW. That is a good pick. This one is written by Phil Hester. This one is written by our good friend, Phil Hester. personal friend, Phil Hester. With art by Andrea DeVito. Here's your solicit. The T-H-U-N-D-E-R agents are dead. Mm. Or will soon be, unless new recruit Dynamo can master the incredible but lethal power of the Thunder Belt in time to rescue his teammates from the mysterious Iron Maiden. For the record, I'm well aware that I pronounce things wrong. I, yeah. I think it's hilarious when I do. Of course it is. It's, it is totally hilarious. If you don't like it, please write us and let us know. <laughs> the Timeless Heroes return to comics with a vengeance in this blistering first issue from writer Phil Hester, who also wrote Godzilla, Invincible Universe, and Wonder Woman, and artist Andrea DeVito of Dungeons & Dragons. I don't love DeVito, but I, I don't like, hate DeVito. I think he or she it's he, it's a he. He, he Italian. gets better every time I see stuff from him. And the preview art that I saw for this looks pretty damn good. I just love the way Phil Hester writes comics. And I was at the IDW panel at C2E2 this year and heard him talking about this Thunder Agents series. I think it's going to be a ton of fun. And I'll tell you what, that dude loves the Golden Age Thunder Agents. Yeah, yeah. Like, got misty while he was talking about Wally Wood's work on it. (laughs) The THN trade of the week is God is Disappointed in You, hardcover from (laughs) Top Shelf. Written by Mark Russell with art by Shannon Wheeler. Here's your solicit. God is disappointed in you is for people who would like to read the Bible if it would just cut to the chase. Stripped of its arcane language and its interminable passages of poetry, genealogy, and law, every book of the Bible is condensed down to its core message in no more than a few pages each. Written by Mark Russell with cartoons by New Yorker cartoonist and Too Much Coffee Man creator Shannon Wheeler. They mentioned New Yorker, but Too Much Coffee Man is getting love. Come on. This is a frequently hilarious, often shocking, but always accurate retelling of the Bible, including the parts selectively left out by Sunday school teachers and church sermons. (laughs) Irreverent, yet faithful, this book features rounded corners, gilded edges, and a cloth bookmark. That's a little bit about the actual book, apparently. It's great. Well, because it's a, it looks like a Bible. I wish more uh, solicits talked about that stuff. That is kind of fun. I love Shannon Wheeler, and I'm willing to throw money at anything that dude does. I do too. Love him. I don't know Mark Russell. We've kind of like given up on being in character <laughs> for this particular part of the segment. No, no, no. We were just taking it easy. It was an intervention. Oh, we're taking we're it easy. We're not getting all weird. Okay. Not getting wasted. Yeah. Listen, we are dealing with a ghost. It's we're being very chill. Yeah, we're not judge. We're not being judgmental. Yeah. Of course, we want to know what you are looking forward to next week, so be sure to tell us what comics you're excited for and how you deal with dead, depressed buddies over at our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash two-headed-nerd. And remember, guys, no judgment here. This is a judgment-free zone. We love you just the way you are. That's right. Before we move on, Two-Headed Nerd is looking for brave advertisers and sponsors who aren't afraid to have their good image ruined by our filthy, sophomoric poop humor. If you are interested in sponsoring this show, the answer of the week, or just advertising on our site, shoot us an email at twoheadednerd at gmail.com with the subject line, sponsorship. By the way, this is a desperate cry for help. We're not that desperate. <laughs> desperate. <laughs> it reminds me... It reminds me of High Fidelity when Jack Black puts up the sign in the window that says, Hip Young Gunslingers Wanted for his band. 
Kathleen Turner Overdrive, <laughs> which is like the greatest name. I love I it. I still love that. <laughs> It's time to put on our thinking caps and act like the smartest jerks on the internet when we play Axa Nerd. This month, Monkey Donkey asks via Twitter. With two N's in the name, too, so I assume it's Don something. Monkey Don. Monkey Don Key. I know the Space Knights play a part of the Infinity Crossover, and they've been mentioned several times in the past few years, but why can't Marvel seem to get the rights to ROM back? Aaron Myers, you're welcome for this question. Here we go. For those of you who don't know Rom, Rom was the Space Knight, and he had a series that lasted, what was it, like 40 issues? It was a long like 70 time. 70 issues, Yeah, right? it was many years. I believe it lasted like 70 issues. Lit long outlasted the toy. From Marvel back in the 80s, Rom was the product of a partnership with Parker Brothers, and this would have been early 80s. The first name for the character was Cobol, which was also a computer language. They chose to go with ROM because it's a little shorter, easier to print in the box. Yeah. <laughs> and it just sounds cooler. You're going to be like, Cobol, Space Knight. That's dumb. <laughs> Parker Brothers created an extremely poorly articulated toy with blinking eyes. In fact, I don't think it was articulated at all. <laughs> I bet. I mean, maybe the arms I think did maybe this. the arms moved a little bit. It had blinking eyes, buzzing noises, and a lame, boxy-looking gun. You shut up about the neutralizer. It's, I love the neutralizer. I think it's awesome. But if you just show that to someone going, this is his gun, they're going to go, wow, that's dumb. <laughs> Whatever. After sales tanked on the figure, Parker Brothers pulled the plug, but Marvel kept making the comic for like another seven years because it actually sold yeah, pretty well it for did. him. It did. Rom was day. very popular. Now, the actual figure was a complete failure. Yeah. Like only shipped like 200,000, they think, and a bunch of them came back. After the comic ended, the rights to Rom returned to Parker Brothers, and there they seem to remain, as far as I've heard anyway. We've seen Rom, well, there's been all manner of speculation that he was going to pop back up recently. Yeah, in fact, like, they I, Brian Hitch drew him. In Age of Ultron, there's yeah. that scene where a Black Widow and Moon Knight are in um, Nick Fury's base, and it's got yeah. all the Polaroids. Rom is in one of those Polaroids, and at the last minute, they changed it. They changed the name to a different character. Right. It just said Space Knight, I think. Yeah, or something. Yeah. But yeah, I, people have been talking about bringing back Rom forever. Right. It's very fondly remembered. Obviously, there are fans, but it's never come back, and nothing's ever been done with the license. Marvel tried to do a Space Knights miniseries in the very early 2000s or late 90s. They did it, but I would still argue they tried well, to do they, it. Well, <laughs> they did it. They did do it. Um, and like with many things, like with the Micronauts, for uh, a specific example, much of the lore created around ROM was invented by Marvel. Right. Which is why they can still have Bug and Acro Year. Right. Um, not Acura, but Bug and um, Commander Man Ran. Mantis? She was uh, a Micronaut, wasn't Mar she? Mantis was not a Micronaut. Oh, no, that's right. Um, but uh, Marionette and Commander Ran and, and Bug and the other Space Knights from Galador. Right. Because Marvel created all that stuff. And I, Marvel did that stuff all the time in the spoiler 80s. Spoiler alert, the other Space Knights are prominently featured in Infinity. Prominently. And But for whatever reason... It's never happened that Rom himself has come back. And I think the answer must be that nobody thinks the expense of getting the rights is worth 
you know, making that effort. It has to be. Like the reward is not greater than the expense. Right. It has to be something where either and perhaps Parker Brothers themselves is splitting the rights with the guy that created the toy. I mean, who knows? We could we could think about this all day, but it comes down to the fact that it is too expensive on one end or the other, be it Marvel's end to buy it or Parker Brothers end to figure out who actually owns it so they can sell it for anyone to do anything with the character. So essentially until yeah, someone dies, <laughs> you know, or I mean or something becomes let's known, be honest, Rom is in limbo. Rom is no Angela. No. Absolutely. <laughs> That's where you insert the sound effect of crickets to your banger or something. Thing. But Rom is no Angela because we know who owns Angela. The courts made a decision. <laughs> right. You, that's, I mean, well, so, but, it, but that is of true. Of course, we are only speculating. We don't know that Parker Brothers doesn't own Rom. They still do. Yeah. So we know the rights reverted to them and nobody else ever got them. Yeah. The reason, the reason, the, we don't know the actual reason, but my guess is that. It's just it's would be too much money to get the rights to do anything with Rom right. for not enough return. And while I think that's very sad, I kind of get it. No, I totally get it. Because relaunching a Rom number one, right. like are they gonna put Brian Michael Bendis and Brian Hitch on Rom? Right. And I mean, sell a hundred thousand copies? This is like the epitome of cult character. Yeah. I mean, really. And I like I love Rom. I love oh, yeah, the me old too. Rom series. Absolutely, me too. But it also could be that Parker Brothers just thinks that Rom is much more valuable. Yeah, maybe than that's it. Like, yeah, we're reality. willing to talk. Yeah, send us a check for thirty mil. You know, <laughs> and uh, he's all yours. Like, what are you insane? So, it's it's sad, but until somebody, you know, until Parker Brothers either sells Rom whole hog to right. somebody, or you know, the stars align, Rom is consigned to he's effectively in limbo cult status yeah. for all time and unfortunately marvel loves to tease us with it really they do you know like black bolt is married to a dire wraith right um, uh, the, di- the dire wraiths <laughs> created as an enemy of the space knights owned by marvel and now in full marvel continuity yeah it's uh, bizarre but unfortunately this is how the legal ball bounces yeah, yeah. sorry we can't tell you more we are not lawyers we just play them on this comic book podcast that's right Excellent question, Monkey Donkey. If you have a comic question or a trivia challenge for me, the baddest comic badass that ever badassed, send it to us via email with the subject line, Ask a Nerd, or call us on the Ziggurat direct line, 402-819-4894. He has it memorized. That's true. Sort of break it, break it down like this. And that is it for the Space is the Place for Big Jugs episode of THN. If you enjoy listening to two, quote, middle-aged men try to be hip and cool, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitcher, where you can take pity on us by giving the show a star rating, a written review, or a Stitcher thumbs up to help us connect with other potential listeners. Thank you to Jesse, our most recent donor. And if you'd like to help keep us in patch kits for our used spacesuits and rocket fuel money, you can make your donation in any amount using our adorable and futuristic little PayPal button at TwoHeadedNerd.com. It's futuristic and adorable, like uh, Twiggy from Book Rogers or whatever his name I was, was thinking like the little UFOs from Batteries Not Included. Oh, they were adorable. Better answer. They saved that old woman's life. They did. While you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed at TwoHeadedNerd, our email, TwoHeadedNerd at gmail.com, our YouTube channel, THN Comic Cast, our Skype handle, Two-Headed Nerd, all one word, and our new direct phone number, 402 
819-4894. That is the Ziggurat direct line where you can send or slash call us with your Ask Nerd questions. You can ask the comic pushers what you should be reading, or you can ask us to review your self-published comic, be it printed, digital, whatever. Just don't forget to tell us who you are and what your call is regarding. And don't forget to check out all the new content from Teach and Love Slaves at 200nerd.com, including The Return of Girl Meets Nerd, where my wife, Casey, comes back to make fun of me some more. I'm going to beat her if she doesn't have one this week. And the truth <laughs> be told, she could probably take me. <laughs> Remember to follow us on Twitter and like our Facebook page if you want to get in on the Question of the Week discussion. And if you want to hear our answers along with your own written and audio responses, be sure to check out the Two-Headed Nerd Answer of the Week podcast. If you already subscribe to this show, you don't need to do anything. It will just magically show up in your feed every Wednesday. And it is magic. That is how the internet works. Next week, we'll step back inside the comic studio to interview Dave Kellett, the creator of webcomics Sheldon and Drive. Before we go today, our weekly shout-out goes to the guys at the Pole Pile Podcast. Where do you, Winthrop, in the head? Who says we don't acknowledge the little guys? Which is hilarious because we're not even getting paid to do this crap. Until next time, <laughs> true believers. I don't know if that's how you measure podcasting success, though. All success is measured by money. Remember <laughs> to pre-order your comics because your retailer just might kiss you on the mouth for it. This is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off. The-